it's good to be home. Um, I could, I'll give you one thing I learned about Israel. Jesus was for sure super shredded. It's really, really mountainous. I was amazed at how, 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 like, how much cardio that man had to have. So all the pictures of super shredded Jesus, they're probably right. Uh, Belinda and I actually both got really, really sick. We took a, we went with a really large group. So a friend of mine's church in California, we went with them and 93 people on a tour. Um, so it was like moving a small nation through a nation. Um, but out of that 93, 61 of them got sick on the flight home. Uh, and so um, Belinda and I have uh, been fighting back towards health and appreciate the prayers. And um, it's, been, it's been really good. Um, to be home. I, I don't enjoy traveling, but I did enjoy Israel. Um, but it's, it's great to be home. Hey, I'll give you just, I'll throw it out there. I, I promise we will be taking a trip as a church. We'll, we'll throw it out there for you guys to watch. So um, I learned something. Okay, I'll, I'll give you two things. In the Western world, the question of does Jesus exist, people are like, I don't know if I believe in Jesus. What I learned over there was that it's not even a question in the Middle East. The question is, what will we do with his existence? But you can't, you, it would be the equivalent of us saying we're not sure George Washington existed in the United States. All you have to do is go to the East Coast and it's everywhere. It's just littered with the history. That was amazing for us to, to watch the reality that the, the imprint of this man has absolutely marked a region of the world. It's wild. Okay, good. That's not where we're going this morning, so let's go. I did have a, um, if you haven't done it yet, hop on the Vintage Guest Wireless Network, you can grab the teaching notes. Um, for whatever reason, the entire time I was gone, all I was thinking through mentally was teaching, which I've shared before, not my favorite thing that we do. Um, I, I really love sitting down having a cup of coffee with somebody. I love getting to pray. Wednesday night prayer is probably my favorite thing we do. That's where my heart's... But when it comes to teaching, I don't have this deep like, oh, yes. I more have a workman like, all right, it's part of the job. Let's do it. Let's, let's work really hard at it. But while I was away, I, I was, there were some things that the Lord, I think the Lord was dealing with. And it was, we live in a modern culture. Is it okay if I'm just like super honest and vulnerable? We live in a culture where there's a very thespian side to this. It's all about performance. It's about pop sensitive phrases. It's about this kind of almost a production. And while I was gone, I don't know why the Lord chose this, but it, it's been bothering me. Because Paul will say, I didn't come to you with excellence of speech. I didn't come to you with anything on the external being why you would listen to me. What I came to you with is the strength of the scriptures and the power of God. And I just have felt like there's a very deep pull from the Holy Spirit for us to reroute and set our trajectory to be a people that would study the scriptures because we honor the scriptures, we believe they have authority and that we would begin to walk away from all of the can I call it a facade that maybe the modern church is becoming? I have one desire, and that's to be in a house where the presence of God is tangible, physical, and known, to where people walk in and they encounter something they cannot find anywhere else, to where the name of God becomes famous in a region because the world around us knows I can find his presence there. That has always been the call of God on the people of God, to carry his presence to house it, to be so, so clothed with the glory of God that everywhere we walk, there's an expression of his presence. 
The supernatural becomes the absolute byproduct of wherever we are. To this point that we walk into a King Supers, we walk into a Target, and there's a sense of the weight and the glory of God. I would love for there to be a day when the lost are falling out under the power of God because we're in a store. You're like, well, that's so strange. No, it's not. We see evidence in the scriptures that the, the early church would walk through the marketplace and there would be residual value of the kingdom just because they were physically there. Having nothing to do with ministry, they weren't even giving it away. This has to become our passion and our aim, that we become a people that are so marked by the presence of God, are so willing to invest the time alone in his presence that we carry his glory. Not that we carry the knowledge of his glory, but that we actually carry his glory. Not that we're a people that just are known because we like Jesus, but we're known as a people that the the presence of Jesus is so evident on us, it's so coming out of us, that Fort Collins, Loveland, Windsor is becoming a different atmosphere because of it. I understand that what I'm espousing in a modern world feels a little out there. I would challenge you to read your Bible and find out that this is the very thing God was after from the beginning. It's the very thing Moses will say to God, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't wanna go. If the manifestation of your glory isn't with me, then I'm not into going. And we have to be a people who wake up every day and say, I'm going to set a line in the sand and here's the line. I'm going to sit with you until you clothe me with your authority, until you clothe me with your presence. And if you're not going to move into my day with me, then I'm not moving into my day. Well, that's, that's not going to work. My boss won't like that. <laughs> I want to challenge you to have a desperation where you would say to the king of glory, I want to be of you, carrying you so much so that my heart cry is, do not let me move into my day without your presence. Now, how many think God's going to fail to answer that prayer? This is not at all what I was going to teach. We're at a cusp or a precipice as a family. It's growing. It's doing great. We're wrestling with buildings and should we get a bigger space? And all that's going on inside of me is, Oh, God, have mercy. Don't let us ever become more focused on being an organization than being a people who carry your presence. I'd rather stay small and focused because God took 300 people in Gideon's day and he used that 300, which that number seems big, but it's, it's microscopic when you look at the scope of what they were invited to do. And he allowed that 300 to shift the world around them because they were, what does the scripture teach? If you don't know the story I'm talking about, I'm talking about Gideon. And this must become a conversation point for us where we in the modern church, when we have these conversations like this and there's blank stares because we don't know the scriptures, we must become a people that move back into the text with with an appetite to know the scriptures because it is out of these stories that God will use to move us into the marketplace and he'll use the principles and we have to know them, otherwise we're going to fail to learn from them. 
So with Gideon, there's a story where God will tell Gideon, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna use you and, we're, and this is what I wanna do with you and so I want you to select soldiers and, he, and there's a selection process and, and if you look at the selection process, what's important about it is to realize that at all times, with every move, with every war, with every battle that God wants to fight in our day and in our time, there is a selection process. It's not whom, whomsoever will come. We are living in a time where the Spirit of God has whispered this so clearly. This day, this time, this season will be about a people who are hungry for his presence. About a people who in the private place have prioritized the presence of God. Who have been willing to say, it is my greatest need. It's not the greatest need of my pastor in our church, it's my greatest need. And I'm gonna be found before him and be clothed with him out of my own choice. You say, how do I do that? I've shared it so many times before. I was really excited to teach Daniel, by the way. But Psalm 91, we haven't visited in a while. Psalm 91 is a proprietary promise to the people of God. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells, this phrase, it literally in the Hebrew means that man or that woman The word dwells here is to make a proprietary place of abiding. It's the idea of habitual movement. That man or that woman who will regularly, daily, make a movement to the secret place of the Most High. Secret place is important because secret place, this word secret means aloneness. It means pulled away. So the first principle that I would say we must begin to move into if we're not doing it is to carve out and find a systematic time every day where I'm alone with God. No one else is with me. It's not my prayer time with my spouse. It's not, it's not my family prayer time. It's not my time in the car. I will tell you, I love the car, but the car's not where you get alone with God because you need to be paying attention to the road. I'm talking about a place where everything in you shuts down and you would say this, it is me and it is you and we are here to do business. This is the place where I'm vulnerable. This is the place where I'm exposed. This is a place where I'm inviting his voice into every aspect of my life. Whether it's a struggle with a roommate, whether it's a fight with a spouse, whether it's a marketplace concern with a job, it's the place where I'm saying everything about me is now exposed to you and I'm giving you full right and voice into this place. That man or that woman, see, it's a promise. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And all of us want to walk in the presence of God, with, clothed with God, but the, the movement that we have to make is this front end. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And then there's all these promises. I will say of the Lord, you are my rock, you are my fortress, you are my strength. I will not fear the pestilence that stalks by day. I will not fear the disease that comes by night. All these promises that will roll in Psalm 91. The interesting thing is Psalm 91 is a prayer of Moses. In Exodus, it says that God will speak to Moses face to face as the man speaks to a friend. That never has there been a relational encounter between man and God like there was with Moses and God. That Moses has harnessed this thing, this paneum is what it is in the Hebrew. It's a face-to-face friendship encounter. That he's figured out how to have conversational counsel with the king of glory. I don't know about you, I want conversational counsel with the king of glory. 
I want to know that every single morning there's a pocket where Greg Sanders gets up and he grabs his coffee and he sits down with Jesus and he hears the voice of God, not the idea of God. He's hearing the voice of God. I don't know if that's possible. Read your Bible. My sheep hear my voice. Jesus makes this statement. The word here isn't to existentially know. It, it is literally to discern and know. Elijah's in the cave. I was in that cave in Israel. Wild. Stand in this cave. It's, he was probably ripped too because it was a super high walk to get there. We rode a gondola. He had to climb the mountain. And he's in, an, he's in a moment in life where he needs God. And it says the storm passes in front of him, the rain passes in front of him, the fire passes in front of him. But what actually happened that mattered was that God whispered and he heard it. It was in a still small voice. We cannot be the people we're called to be. We cannot go where we're called to go unless we are a people that are daily hearing his voice. We cannot be a people that are trusted with hearing his voice if we're not a people that are, are studying the scriptures. Because the scriptures become this phenomenal filter that allow us to hear the voice of God, give it context and weight. So that way when you hear something squirrely and you have it, you're like, I don't know if that's God. The scriptures are what we use to support that. To go, to, to, it's the filter that I run it through so I know if it's him. I would say it this way. The scriptures become the place I learn his character. The secret place becomes the atmosphere that I hear his voice. When I put these two things together, what I have is a phenomenal power pack where I'm hearing God, I'm living the scriptures, and I become a person in the marketplace that is carrying the very divine essence of God. I'm carrying his voice. I'm carrying his wisdom. I'm clothed in his authority. See, so often we want the presence of God, but we haven't been willing to do the investment. Look, all of us want to be super shredded and jacked and look fit, right? But we understand that the ones that are going to get there and look at that are the ones that were willing to do the suffering and the work and the discipline. Can I call us to grow up? Can I invite us as a people to grow up and be willing to do the work to get alone in the presence of God? Now, I, I, you will find what I've found, which it's not work. You'll also find what I've found, which is super easy to get lazy and not read your Bible. And we can't let that happen. We can't let that become what's said of us. We have to be a people that realize what's on the horizon right now is a move of God. And I don't know about you, but I want to be in the thick of it. I want to be so whispered over by my father that he says, look, this one has prepped for it, trained for it, prepared for it. So now that I'm moving and releasing something, he's ready to be used. What does it look like if there's a house full of people that the father could say, oh, look at this house. When they couldn't see it, they were preparing for it with faith. When they weren't experiencing it, they were believing for it and they were investing and they were studying to show themselves approved and they were on their face before me learning to hear my voice so that when the marketplace movement and the revival of God begins to ramp up, they know now how to discern and hear on the fly because they're not learning how in the moment. Does that make sense? Let's look at it this way. 
figure that we're all in driver's ed for God right now. We're all learning how to drive because there's a race coming and we're going to have to know how to manage the car. How many of you think it's a good idea to take a 16-year-old that's never been behind the wheel and put him behind the wheel and say, go race your car? We're like, that's crazy. Why? Because they're going to crash. Why? Because the, high, the faster the movement, the higher the acumen has to be to control it. Could I suggest that it's the same in the spirit realm? That when the move of God begins to be released, the speed kicks up, and if we haven't been accustomed to his presence, we won't know how to manage it in that moment. If we haven't been in the scriptures, we won't be able to discern fast enough what's coming at us. Does that make sense? I understand.